morning, and welcome to the Sunday service of Free Community Church. Thank you for joining us today, and for those of you who are joining us online, we're so glad to have you with us too. Let's take a moment to greet one another. If you're on site, please turn to your neighbor and give them a smile and a wave. Hello. <laughs> for those of you, uh, for those of you joining us remotely, uh, please feel free to type a, uh, a message uh, in the chat, and our moderators will be there to respond to any messages. As we enter into the sacred time, please stand as you're willing and able, and join me in the call to worship. Come in, come in and sit down. You are a part of the family. We, we are lost and we are found, and we, we are, are part, part of the family. We know, God, that we who have gathered here are part of the family, but we also know that the family is much bigger still. There are people we don't understand. There are people we disagree with. There are people we don't like. There are people who don't like us. Challenge us, God, to expand our vision of family. Until we see all of creation as one big family. Amen. Amen. Let's remain standing and join our hearts and voices in a time of praise and worship. Good morning, church. Let's put our hands together and sing praises to our God. Our God is faithful.
will pilgrims on the journey of the narrow road and those who've gone before us light the way cheering on the faithful encouraging the weary their lives a stirring testament to God's sustaining grace surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us run the race not only for the prize but as those who've gone before us let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly lives oh may all who come behind us find us faithful may the fall of our devotion light their way may the footprints that And the lives we live inspire them to obey Oh, may all who come behind us find us Church, my name is Mark, and I'll be leading prayer for today. Um, so, for today's prayer, uh, just give you a sense of what's going to happen. Uh, we're going to start with a brief period of silence to just settle into um, this space. 
uh, followed by corporate prayer. And then I'll end off with um, another section of silence where you can also pray your own prayers and name your and lift up your prayers and concerns uh, to God. Okay? So let's prepare ourselves for prayer. As we close our eyes, give, give yourself a chance to settle in. Please allow yourself to be aware of the sensations in your body. And with each breath, sink just a little deeper into the comforting presence of the Holy Spirit. To the God of many names, we come to you. You are the Father who teaches and protects, and the Mother who nurtures and comforts. You are the teacher who shows us the way, and also the judge who upholds justice. Lord, you are the healer who brings restoration in times of brokenness and also the friend who brings comfort to us and our community in times of loneliness and doubt. As a church, we want to give you thanks for your faithfulness in our lives as individuals, in our own personal walk with you, but also as a community that seeks and strives to do your will. Thank you, Lord, for this church that you've blessed us with and the community of each and every person here today and online and all the people who stand with us affirming that all persons, including LGBTQ persons, are beautifully and wonderfully made in your image just as we are, and whose difference is a gift to be understood, accepted, and celebrated. Thank you, Lord, for providing for each one of us each day of our lives. Thank you for providing for our community, our leaders, our members, our loved ones, our enemies, and Lord, your faithfulness in our lives. Lord, forgive us for the times we failed to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Forgive us for the times we have failed to love ourselves and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Your desire is for a world of shalom, 
And as a church, we have been called to be instruments of peace and restoration. Lord, forgive us for the times we failed to speak up. Or when we do, fail to do so in love. For the times we lean on our own strength and our own intelligence, our resources, our networks, instead of leaning on you and surrendering always constantly to your will, even as we strive to do your will. Lord, thank you for the many gifts in the community and the many disciples who have responded to your call to serve you and do your will. Thank you for gifts of words, knowledge, hands, courage in our community. And may each one of us, through our actions, big and small, whether public or private, known or unknown, be an inspiration and a model for each one of us to practice our own faith. And in times of conflict and division, Lord, you are present. We ask for the courage to not turn away from discomfort, but seize upon times of division and conflict as opportunities for your spirit to be invited to enter. So that this crack may be the crack through which your light and truth shines through to teach us, to guide us, to inspire us to live lives of worship that is pleasing to you. Lord, help us as a church through the work of each member, the lay leaders, the pastors, the cell groups, and each and every person in this church, each and every ministry. May we, through our work, inspire each other to remain alert and attentive, to interpret your movements and your spirit and your work in our community and, what, and where you are leading us to. Lord, help us to be such a community for such a time as this. Lord, as we continue to rest in your presence, hear us.
God of love, who loves justice and hates oppression, who gives peace to those who seek it, and condemns the rage of violence in word and deed. Grant us, Lord, the courage to take our stand with each other, within this church and beyond, following your servants and prophets, who look to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, and to always be found faithful as you have been in our lives. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
With every breath I take, I'll give thanks to God above. For as long as I shall live, I will testify to love. For as long as I shall live, I will testify to love. I'll be a witness in the sciences with words are not enough. With every breath I take, I'll give thanks to God above. For as long as I shall live, I will testify to love. So good morning and welcome to FCC. So glad to see all of your faces here and uh, so glad to uh, have all of you online as well. And uh, today, uh, before we begin the sermon, I want to invite you to get onto menti.com uh, because we are going to have some questions. And <laughs> after a few weeks of not having questions, <laughs> I'd love to hear your insights and your experiences, okay? So, th and this is important because uh, this is going to really help. Um, and we're talking about voices today, right? And so we want to hear your voice today. So if you want a shortcut, you can go on to fcc.la slash menti, uh, and that will immediately take you into uh, the menti slides. Or you can also um, take the, uh, pick up the QR code, uh, scan the QR code, and it will help you get there as well. All right? So for such a time as this, lift up your voices. As Miak mentioned last week, there's a lot going on these couple of weeks. With all the talk about the repeal of 377A, there is a growing intensity of misinformation being perpetuated about the LGBTQ community. And so for those of you who may be affected or hurt by what's going on, please reach out to your siblings in Christ here, um, or to Miak and I for support. I hope that we can be a church family that cares for, stands by, and supports one another, especially in these times. On the flip side, I recognize that the reason for the growing intensity of the talks around 377A is because there is a significant movement towards change. And this is something that many of us have been working towards and praying for. So even as I brace myself for the challenges ahead, I'm also deeply grateful for where we are and for God's hand of providence. You know, at FCC, we have a unique calling and voice in this important conversation. For such a time as this, it is especially vital for us as a church community to come together and continue lifting up our voices in praise and worship of God who loves us and as a witness to God's relentless love for all. Myak and I have been called many things, including false prophets, among other things. And FCC has been accused of teaching bad theology. And so today, I want to talk to you about theology because I want us to be a community that thinks deeply and is unafraid 
and unashamed of what we believe in. So, let's start with this question. What is theology? I mean, in the church, in Christian circles, we talk about this word a lot. But, yeah, let's just unpack it. What is it? Simply, you know, put, what is theology to you? Okay? If you look at the dictionary, <laughs> non-scientific, true, hard to, hard to measure using science, right? Understanding who God is, Mm -hmm. The study of God. So the study of God is the dictionary um, definition, right? Study of God, who God is. God talk, love it, right? God talk. All the talk about God. Spiritual studies, a framework of beliefs, yeah. Faith making sense, yeah? Making sense of our faith, right? Trying to put things into perspective, into points, into things that we can make sense of. Human definitions of God, yeah. True, right? Words about God, the study of religion, a theory about God, beautiful scripture from God. Well, not really the scripture, but definitely a lot of the study and the talk and the framework about what we think God is, right? Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for putting all your you know, input up there. All of you are really, really good at um, this, okay? So I love it. I miss this, actually, just hearing all of your input, right? Beautiful. And it's very academic to some people, right? And that's what I used to think as well. Oh, so academic, you know. It's all just lots of jargon, right? Okay, so we're going to break it down today, right? So simply put, theology is really about our story of God and us. It's what we human beings have been trying to make sense of, right, when we talk about God and who we are in this world. So if you remember, we had a sermon series early last year called Our Story of God in Us. And so if you want to have a more comprehensive and detailed coverage of our theology as a church, please go check out that series, okay? I can't cover everything in this sermon, so I'm going to you know, direct you to that series if you want a more detailed coverage, right? But for today, I want to begin by sharing my own journey. And hopefully, I can help you see that your spiritual journey and your theological voice matters too. In my teens and my early 20s, while I was struggling with my faith and sexuality, I often prayed and asked God, change me, God. If I am unacceptable to you, change me. Change this part of me. But you know, over and over again, even though God transformed a lot of other things about me, this is one thing that never changed. And over and over again in my times of prayer, I would hear God telling me this, I am okay with you, and you are okay with me. And I would debate with God about this, because that wasn't the message I was hearing from the church and the people around me. And I would bring up Romans 1, you know, and say, look, look, look. You know, and a superficial reading of the passage would seem to say that people like me are unacceptable. But over and over, I would hear God patiently and gently say, I am okay with you, and you are okay with me. And an inexplicable peace would descend and envelop my heart and soul. I couldn't understand it then, but I was deeply grateful 
for God's presence and assurance. That peace kept me alive. It gave me hope that perhaps there was much more I still didn't understand about God and the Bible. But one thing I never doubted was that God loved me fully and unconditionally. And then in my late 20s, I went to Bible college and I realized for the first time how much I didn't understand about God and theology. I honestly thought I knew a lot about the Bible by then, right? I had been teaching Bible study for years. I had even served as a missionary. But when I began my study of theology, I was humbled by how much I didn't know about God and the Bible and about the theological debates about all kinds of topics that have occurred throughout history. And I wondered why we never learned these things as regular churchgoers. Perhaps pastors and preachers feel it's too complex, too nuanced, to talk about the full spectrum of theology in a 20-minute sermon. And that's true. Right? As a pastor, I do understand the struggle to make difficult concepts digestible to the general congregation. But I think it's important for us to try, especially when we as a community are often questioned about our theology. It's important for us to know who we are and why we believe what we believe. Many of you know that I'm currently pursuing my Master of Divinity in Ministerial Leadership with Claremont School of Theology. And I'm happy to report that I have completed my first year of studies. A big thank you to all of you who have been praying for me and um, been there for me. Thank you. And I'll be starting my second year next week. So I'll be in the US for about two weeks, attending the intensive classes that kick off the fall semester. And in my systematic theology class last year, I had a teacher who really challenged and inspired me. Before taking this class, I used to think of theology as just the study of God, right? The definition that we had before. And my early understanding when I was young, much younger, was that it was this static collection of beliefs mostly debated and dictated by a bunch of old white men. Of course, there were many debates and perspectives about God, Christ, human beings, the church, salvation, etc., accumulated over the years. And the conclusion that I remember arriving at, at that time, was that human beings have been trying to put God in a box for many centuries. We've been trying to box God up. But not only were we unsuccessful, there were also times we caused a lot of harm to those who did not fit into the majority mold. Those who don't fit into the box, unacceptable. The truth is, God is bigger than our human minds can contain or fully comprehend, right? So I stepped into my theology class last year, not knowing what to expect, but excited about what I was going to learn. And my teacher assigned us readings that covered theolo theologians throughout history. So yes, we had this thick like, text that we had to go through. But both from the past and also a lot of other readings from contemporary theologians, including Asian, black, womanist, feminist, queer perspectives. And she told us this thing that really stayed with me, she said, theology is a conversation between the past 
present, and the future. Theology is a conversation between the past, present, and future. And I never heard that before, but I found it moving and profound. Yes, we need to be well-versed about what theologians of old have said, because there's something that we can learn from that. But we also need to learn to have a conversation with them by drawing from our own experience of God in our present day, in our social and cultural locations. You see, theologians of the past were speaking from their own social and cultural locations too. And we can add to the conversation and expand our understanding of God for our present and our future generations. She challenged us to investigate and to articulate how we got here in our story of God and us. How did our experience of God, both individually and in our communities, help us make sense of who God is? So I wanted to pause here and I wanted to ask you, have you experienced God's love and grace in your life? And how have you experienced that in spite of what others have said to you and about you? I don't know about you. I mean, some of you may have been in various churches over many years. Perhaps you have heard many different messages about you, especially those of you who are different, whether you're different because of gender identity, sexual orientation, race, ethnicity, social status, education, background, whatever, right? In spite of what, in spite of what others have said to you and about you, how have you experienced God's love and grace in your life? Has God assured you in some way? Has God held you in some way? Has God through people spoken into your life? How have you experienced God's love in spite of what others have said? And I think this is important for us to articulate. It's not just my story. It's not just Myak's story. It's all of your individual stories that make up our biggest story of God in us. God, I always have people around me to guide and show me I am loved. Isn't that beautiful? And I hope that that is true for many of us. That no matter what that people have said about us and to us, that we feel that we are surrounded by love. Yes, repeatedly, I'm not defined by my sexuality only. People have made comments about my academic abilities, yeah, right? I mean, it's not just about gender identity and sexual orientation and sexuality, right? It's about many different things, how people judge one another. When God, me God told me to stop talking and listen when I was in my own private slough of despondency. Through other people, the scaffold, my weaknesses, yep. God always loves me for who I am, showing me grace and unconditional love despite my mistakes. Yep. I'm autistic, and God assures me that I and my experiences are not mistakes. Yes, and that's thank you for sharing that. Not abandoning me even if I stop going to churches, seeing God's blessings for me. I'm forgiven and accepted despite my failings and erroneous judgments. God helped me when I was in distress and in a difficult situation. After going to an altar call, yeah, feeling God's presence there. God led me to meeting my girlfriend who was super supportive and loving in my transition journey. 
I'm so glad to hear that. We're happy for you. God's love is unchanging, and while challenges abound, there's always comfort to be found. Yes, in many ways, through many people, we live surrounded in love we often don't see. God has been there for me even before I knew God. God's love is unchanging, and while God loves me, God's always with me, that I am enough, yes, to hold and bring me through different phases of my life again and again. Thank you. Thank you for sharing how God has shown you love and grace in spite of what people around you may have said. It's important for you to remember that. What you just did was to articulate your theological voice. And your theological voice matters. What you say about God, your God talk. So during that class, I had a chance to reflect and write about my spiritual journey and FCC's journey and how we experience God in our own special ways. I was excited and challenged to see that my life, my context, indeed my whole identity, plays a significant role in contributing to this important theological conversation with the past, the present, and the future. And this is true of you too, and our church community. We stand at the cusp of change, and our voices now will make a difference to the present and future generations. Why does our theological voice as minorities matter? It's because we contribute to the larger conversation of who God is. We form part of the diverse tapestry of God's kingdom. We bear witness to God's love, not just for us, but God's relentless love for all. All. Our diverse stories contribute to the vast and expanding knowledge and understanding of God. And that's why today I want to look together with you at the story of Hagar. It is not one of our lectionary passages today, but I think her story will resonate with us for such a time as this. And another reason I chose her story is because there are so few women in the Bible. Of the approximately 1,700 named in our text, only 137 are women. And many of these 137, even those with incredible faith and witness, like Shipra and Pua, who are they? They are the midwives, right, who saved the baby Moses, even at the threat of death. Even they, they don't make it into the lectionary. So we're not following the lectionary today, okay? Because our children and our adults need to hear from a variety of stories told from many different perspectives in our Bible is what allows our multifaceted God to speak through. And hearing the witnesses of many, women included, is what keeps the Bible a living word for all of us. It's not an antiquated old document that has no relevance at all, but it's a connection to God in our here and now. So let me read you the story of Hagar from Genesis chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant or slave named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. 
and Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. And this happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew that she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. And then Sarai said to Abram, This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. And then Abram replied, Look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness, along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I am running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. And then God added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. The son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. And thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, You are El Roi, the God who sees me. The God who sees me. She also said, Have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Bier Lahai Roi, which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Beret. So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. And Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. So are you familiar with the story of Hagar? We usually read this story as a story about Abraham and Sarah, which is their name later on that God gave them. And God calls them to leave their home, promises them that they would have a multitude of descendants, right? Like the sand. Abraham and Sarah are the main characters usually in this story in Genesis. And everyone else is a minor character. And for a long time, I thought Hagar was just a minor character in the story. But I was reading this book by womanist theologian Dolores Williams, and she writes about Hagar. And it was the first time I noticed the verse where Hagar gave God a new name. She said, you are El Roi, the God who sees me. And you know, right at the moment when I read that, I felt those words resonate so deeply in my heart. Indeed, God is the one who truly sees me. That is what saved me. That is my experience too. How have I not noticed this verse before? Do you know that Hagar is the only biblical character in the whole Bible who dared to give God a new name? Many invoke God saying something like, God, my rock and salvation, right? But Hagar gives God a proper name, El Roi. 
And this is significant, especially in the ancient world, where the act of naming something demonstrated some kind of dominance, right? Adam names the animals in Genesis 2. The father of a household would name the children, etc. And interestingly, we don't see any evidence in the text that God resists this naming by Hagar at all. In fact, God even instructs her to name her son Ishmael, meaning God hears, the God who sees and hears us. How are we not more familiar with this story when there's such a significant lesson about God in this? Maybe because Hagar was just a woman, a non-Jew, a foreigner, Sarah's Egyptian slave. An unimportant character or so we thought. So we didn't pay attention to her voice. Sometimes we view this story of Sarah and Hagar as a story of jealousy, right, between two women. One who cannot have a child and the other was able to conceive easily with the first woman's husband. But to see this as a story of jealousy is to miss the realities of Hagar's life as a slave woman and her utter powerlessness and lack of choice as a slave. She has no choice, no agency as a slave. You see in Genesis 16 verse 3, the text says that Sarai gave Hagar to Abram as a wife. Gave, right? Gave, literally. This might indicate an elevation of her status from slave to wife, concubine, second wife. And in that culture, it was actually acceptable and normal for a wife who was childless to give her female slave to her husband in order to have a child. Female slaves were the property of their owners, and in this case, Sarai, who had complete control and freedom over them to do as they wished. And so it wasn't even unusual at that time for female slaves to be rented out as concubines. So Hagar is given to Abram as his wife, but when Sarai gets angry at how Hagar is looking at her, and the Bible says contempt, Abram, um, she gets angry and Abram gives Hagar back to Sarai, saying, ah, you can do whatever you like with her. Okay? And the treatment that Sarai subjects the pregnant Hagar to must have been very, very harsh. The Hebrew word used here is the same one as the one they used in Exodus to describe the suffering of the Hebrew slaves in Egypt. So Hagar runs away from Sarai into the wilderness. And the wilderness, if you think about it, is no place for a pregnant woman, but it must have seemed like a better alternative than Sarai's harsh treatment. And so it is there in the wilderness that God finds Hagar and appears to her. And there in the wilderness, God calls her name and asks her where she has come from, where is she going? And she admits to running away from her mistress. And then God says the most unexpected thing Go back to your mistress and submit to her. Is this the same God who will liberate the Hebrew slaves in a few hundred years in Exodus? What must it have felt like to be Hagar and be told to return to captivity after having freed herself? And then God tells her, I will give you more descendants than you can count. These words sound vaguely similar, right, to those offered to Abram in Genesis 13. 
I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. That's how many, right? God promised Abram. And more. Now you have conceived and shall bear a son. You shall call him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your cry of distress. And this was to Hagar. Hagar is a former slave, right? An abused survivor. A single mother, later on. And she's given the same promise as Abraham. The father of the Jewish nation, right? The same promise. And she's also the only biblical person to give God a new name. This slave woman who is mistreated by her owner, pregnant and vulnerable in the wilderness, has been seen by God. She has been seen by God. It is no small thing to be seen by God. And because she has been seen by God, she's able to return to her mistress. Dolores Williams, in trying to make sense of this God who sends Hagar back, suggests that God is concerned about Hagar's survival and the survival of her son. And that is why God sends her back. Because of her circumstance, because she is so vulnerable, if she is to see God's promise fulfilled, then she needs to return to Sarah for that moment, at that point of time. Because in spite of the mistreatment, the resources that Abraham has to offer for her and for her son are for her son and for her best chance of survival. And so this encounter she has with God is a holy moment. She names the Lord who spoke to her El-Rohi, the God who sees her. She has been seen by God. So we, at least me, didn't hear her voice. We didn't think she was important or worthwhile to pay attention to. But God heard her and saw her and met her at her point of desperate need. And later in the story, if you go on reading Genesis, we also see how God makes a way for her and Ishmael where there was no way. So Hagar's voice matters, and it adds so richly to our understanding of God. Imagine our lost if we never heard her voice that calls God the one who sees us. Like her, God also sees you. Even when the world does not see you, even when the world thinks you are unimportant or unworthy of attention, God sees you, God hears you, and God will make a way out of no way. Many voices have been excluded in the history of Christianity. The voices of women, children, those of diverse gender identities, sexualities, and ethnicities. I believe the call of the church is to lift up these voices that have been historically excluded. All these diverse voices and perspectives add to the richness of our understanding of God and who we are called to be in this world. And together, we form the diverse and beautiful tapestry of the kingdom of God. So this means lifting up your own voice too. 
And so I wanted to ask you, how has God been real in your life? Maybe recently, maybe in the past, how has God been real in your life? You don't have to share a full story, it's a word cloud. But I just want to kind of put it up there. Because your combination of your voices, your experiences of how God has been real in your life, is so important for us to witness to, to speak of, to proclaim to the world. And to encourage your siblings here as well, right? In the rainbows that I see, opportunities, mercy, prayers and answers, healing, giving me enough sleep, real-life angels, yeah. Mercy, prayer, mind renewed, God's grace is sufficient indeed. Love, God sustains me, God provided, providence, protection, closeness, healing, so many solves my problems. Physical healing. Thank you. Never letting me go. It's beautiful. Grace. Right? I just see quite a bit of mercy, grace and healing there. That's beautiful. How God has brought healing in many of our lives. And I believe healing not just physically, but spiritually, making us hold in Christ. Peace in times of trouble, wisdom, restoration of friendship, the capacity to love, lifted me out from suicide, unending grace, charismatic gifts, shepherd, hope forward. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for building this because this is our testimony, our witness to God's love and how God has been real in our lives. I want you to know that your voice matters. Your voice is valid, equally valid in this ongoing conversation about what it means to be Christian and LGBTQ+. Even your voice as allies. In fact, not only is your voice equally valid, your voice is much needed because people need to hear and see that God is so much bigger than our human minds can imagine. We get to bear witness and contribute to this conversation about God through our lives and our voices. And in some ways, being the only church in Singapore currently that is progressive and openly LGBTQ plus affirming it's even more important that we raise up our voices together as a minority voice that affirms with Haga, El Royi, I have seen the God, the one who sees me. The reason why we have consistently encouraged you to express and to articulate your story of God and you is because your story matters. Whether it's the stained glass project, or initiatives like Let Your Life Speak at the end of last year, these are not just feel-good exercises. These initiatives are there to help us reflect and articulate our story of God and us. Our theological voices are equally valid. 
Don't let anyone tell you any different. Lift up your voice boldly. Lift up the voices of others with courage. And today, as we close, I want us to do something slightly different. Our closing prayer is in the form of a short liturgy. I want to invite you to stand and to respond by reading the text in bold, okay? So let me show you what we're going to do. Just this, okay? So if you will stand as you're willing and able, stand in spirit or body as we read this together. And so you're reading the text in bold under all, okay? Are you ready? Lift your voices up. Our voices are necessary. Lift your voices up. Our voices are equally valid. Lift your voices up. Our voices matter to this present and future generations. We bear witness to God's love for us. We proclaim boldly God's relentless love for all. Amen. Please be seated. Let us prepare ourselves for communion with God and with each other. We gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this time we are not all physically together. The table of God's feasts transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means that you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. God, God of, of mercy, mercy and, and justice, justice, be with, with us. We, we lift our hearts to you, not because we have to, not because we are supposed to, but because it's how we respond to your unconditional love because it feels good to know we are loved. As long as there have been people to tell them, our ancestors in faith have shared stories of your mercy, of how you gave food to the poor, clothes to the naked, and shelter to the lost. As long as there have been people to tell them, our ancestors in faith have shared stories of your justice, of how you gave freedom to the enslaved, opportunity to the outcast, and, and peace to, to the, the war-torn. War you acted with both mercy and justice, rescuing, rescuing the, the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, providing them with manna when they were hungry. And your people acted with both mercy and justice, like, like the, the prophets who cried out to care for widow, orphan, and foreigner, and those, those who provided food, shelter, and community. You have shared your mercy and justice with us, not only as gifts to be received from you, but as gifts that we are meant to share with the world. We see this gift most clearly in the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus showed us what a life of mercy and justice looked like. In he mercy, he gave food to the hungry. With justice, he broke social custom and shared tables with the powerful and the lowly at once. In mercy, he cared for the sick, 
With justice, he broke religious custom and healed on the Sabbath. In mercy, he had compassion for the poor. With justice, he spoke out against the empire that held them in poverty. In mercy, he washed his disciples' feet. With justice, he died without protest to expose a corrupt system. On the night, he was handed over to the unjust systems that killed him. He protested by sharing a meal with his friends. There, he took bread, gave thanks for God's mercy in providing it, shared God's mercy by giving it to his friends. Then called them to remember the injustice of his broken body every time they ate bread. After they ate, he took the cup, gave thanks for God's mercy in providing it, shared God's mercy by giving it to his friends, then called them to remember the injustice of his spilt blood every time they drank wine. Together, but that, that was an all. God's mercies and justice burst forth when Jesus died, and his resurrection gave hope to all those who hunger for mercy and thirst for justice. God will always equip those who seek to share mercy and justice. Even death cannot stop God's incredible grace. So we ask God's Holy Spirit to be poured out on this meal, on these gifts of mercy, bread, and juice that we may remember Jesus' ministry of mercy and justice, that these gifts of mercy may become for us the body and blood of Christ, so that we may show mercy to do justice, not just for ourselves, but for the transformation of the world. May I invite the stewards to distribute the elements.
Let us partake the elements with gratefulness. invite you to stand if you're willing and able for the prayer of communion. Together, God, God through this meal, meal we pray that, that your grace will empower us to do justice, to offer mercy, and to do so with humility. You have given us your Son as an example, and your Holy Spirit as advocate. Give us the courage to do your work in the world. Amen. Please be seated. So welcome again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for First Realize Everyone's Equal. FCC is an affirming and inclusive church, and this means that uh, you are welcome here, regardless of your theological background, uh, your gender identity, sexual orientation, economic status, or any other label the world puts on you. To our members and to all those who worship with us regularly and to those who are joining us for the first time, welcome home. My name is Wendy and I am the service leader for today. If you're watching this online and the sermon has blessed you, please give the video a like and subscribe to our channel. If you're new to our church, uh, or this is the first time that you are joining us online or on site, we invite you to leave your details at fcc.law/welcome or scan the QR code and our pastor or staff will connect with you to find out how we can serve your needs. We also have a newcomers meeting at the end of every month, immediately after the service. And this is a chance for you to meet our pastors and some of our leaders and learn more about who we are and what we believe as a church. So the next meeting will be on the 28th of August and you can sign up by emailing info at freecomchurch.org. So let's continue to worship God with our giving. Offering is a time in which we express our gratitude and reliance on God. So there are two ways that you can give using PayNow by scanning the QR codes on the screen or on the backs of the chairs. The first um, QR code is for the general fund, which uh, goes primarily towards our staff salaries and our operation, no expenses. The second QR code is for the building fund, which uh, goes towards paying the mortgage on this property. You can also give by uh, credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. Uh, and please note that there is a 1.5% uh, platform fee for credit card giving, but we are grateful for giving in any form. Okay, so now please join me in the prayer for the offering. Oh God, you have provided our daily bread and often more. We respond to your generosity with our offering and we give you our love and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. So I now invite the stewards forward to collect the offering. If you're on site and you uh, wish to drop cash in a bag, um, 
Very dark. <laughs> Uh, you may uh, you may do so while they're they're coming, and while those stewards are going around, we uh, we do have some announcements. All right, so uh, our T-Mart um, donation drive has concluded, uh, and uh, it's again to support the nutritional and household needs of uh, transgender elderly through the Tea Project. Uh, so a big thank you to all the donors and the volunteers for another fully sponsored drive. And uh, several people from FCC have visited the beneficiaries last Sunday to make deliveries on our behalf. And it was a very meaningful experience, uh, not only to be able to give, but also to personally connect with the recipients. So please consider joining the volunteers next time. And we especially need drivers with cars. Um, okay, so our next um, need <laughs> is to, we continue to need volunteers for the production ministry. Um, these ministry volunteers make it possible for us to continue to live stream the service over the internet. And we're looking specially for, um, to recruit visual presenters who are in charge of running the videos, the lyrics, and the computer graphics on Sundays. So volunteers should be good at using Microsoft PowerPoint. Uh, you can find out more about the ministry by signing up for a behind-the-scenes tour on the 28th of August. And if you're interested, please uh, email uh, info at freecomchurch.org. Okay, so our final uh, ACE, A-C-E, this summer is, uh, is Kim Jong-day Jong on the sun next Sunday, 21st of August um, at 1 p.m. So uh, Kim Jong Day in Korea is an annual gathering of the community to make kimchi together. Uh, so it's an important communal event that brings people together uh, and strengthens community ties. So FCC's uh, own uh, Kim Jong Day, we will make a fusion version of kimchi that incorporates Southeast Asian flavors and ingredients. We also explore the flexibility of kimchi making with non-traditional ingredients. So uh, please bring a uh, clean glass jam bottle to bring home some of the kimchi uh, so that you will get a chance to make. Uh, we do ask for a donation of $3 per person to defray the cost of the ingredients, but participants are welcome to donate more if you wish. So again, uh, Kim Jong Day will be next Sunday uh, at 1 p.m. and you can register at fcc.law slash ACE, A-C-E. Okay, so lunch khakis are made up of people from our community who want to continue our welcome by having lunch, uh, especially if you're new to church. Uh, so today's uh, khaki will be Angela. She is in behind the glass uh, window <laughs> right there waving. Uh, so we look forward to getting to know you better. Now, um, we have something special before the benediction. Uh, there will be a sharing by Yan Mei. Um, who will be leaving soon to further her theological studies overseas. So uh, let's welcome her. Yep, hello, <laughs> greetings. <laughs> yeah. yeah, how time flies. Actually, I just left last December. Yeah, to Hong Kong to complete my studies in the Divinity School in Chung Chi College in Hong Kong. Uh, yeah, and, and thanks for all, for all your support and prayers that actually I've completed my Master's of Arts in Christian Studies. Yeah. Thank you.
Yeah. So, um, I mean, studying there for the six months actually did change me because, uh, yeah, I was with the, um, the people who are staying in the dormitory uh, and they were actually my co-workers who were actually in from, Hong from China. And actually that uh, does uh, create an impact on me. Yeah, because that uh, as we share our our talks of theology, our ministry life, yeah, we saw the need lah. So that's why next week, yeah, um, that I'm going to fly to Hong Kong again to start on a new program. So this time around, I'm actually doing the masters of uh, in divinity. Yeah, uh, it's not an easy process contemplating to leave my job and of stable income to go. To, uh, to a student life, uncertainty, because there's so many doubts about the future, and I'm not sure when I'll get my next paycheck, and I'm not sure what's my future job, but this I know that God is leading us, and He will provide for our needs. So I appreciate all your prayers for me as I embark on this uh, journey and adventure in my, in my life. I've seen how important the work that's done through Amplify and uh, the, the queer love camps and the workshops that we organized throughout these five to six years. This work that we do comprises of reconciliation of faith and sexuality, as well, as well as helping to provide the materials for support and tools to grow, uh, to help our siblings grow in China. And these are the seeds that we sow in the, in the area that we were there. So when Pastor Pauline and I were helping out in the camp in 2019 in Hong Kong. One sister, who was a non-believer, she attended our camp, and she came to believe in Christ during the, uh, the camp. And I'm happy to say that in 2020, she was baptized in Shanghai Fellowship. Yeah, and we share this joy with her because the sisters who are at the fellowship, they are the ones who helped to water this seed that we planted. So I want to really reiterate this, that important are the workers who scatter the seeds, but even more important, the workers to harvest the field. Just as Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore to send out workers into his harvest field. This is from Matthew 9, 35-38. So, I mean, there's a lot of stories I can tell you about my work in uh, China and the, the passion I have for them. But I thought to end with a parable, yeah, that um, adapted to that, that I came up with, uh, adapted to Singapore context for you. This this parable was taken from Luke 14, 16 to 24. Okay. So a chef, a master chef, prepared a banquet, international cuisine, and invited many guests. So at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is, is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The one said, oh, sorry, I just uh, bought my new HDB flat. I, I must go and see, see it. I must look over the renovations. I really cannot make it, sorry. Then the one said, oh, sorry, I'm, I actually got a new job. I'm really very busy. I really cannot make it. Sorry, please excuse me. And still another to told me, said, I cannot speak the language that the guests of the other guests, so I think I, sh I, I can't come. 
so this has been reported to the master chef, and he and he he was like, oh my, okay, why is nobody coming? So okay, he ordered his servant, please go to the streets and the alleys of Singapore, and invite the old, the poor, the disabled, the blind, the lame. Okay, so the servant went out. He invited all, but he says, oh, I still have a lot of food left. I still have a lot of room. So the master told him, okay, let's do the invitation on Facebook, social media. Let's invite all who wanted to join this feast to come. Then the servant asked him, oh, but they're all over the place. How are we going to send to them? I mean, invite them to come? Okay, no. Okay, let's, let's go and call the food panda. Let's call the delivery riders. Let's send the food to them so that they can participate online via Zoom for this feast and we can celebrate together. Yeah. Okay, so this simple story actually is like, I just want to illustrate that we can all participate in this work together if you're willing to come and, come and join us. There's no restrictions. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, Yen Mei. Indeed, the, there's a lot of work to be done, um, but the workers are few. Uh, we're grateful for your courage and your determination um, to step out, outside your comfort zone, um, and continue on this adventure. Um, coincidentally, this is also the last weekend uh, Kohei and Ari are with us. For those of you who do not know, they have been uh, attending our church and even serving. Kohei and Ari, will you come up, please? Pauline, come up as well. Yeah. Um, they're from Japan. Um, they are here. Uh, how long already? Uh? Uh, seven months. Seven months. That's why, in a way, um, you haven't bumped into each other, right? Um, and um, they, are going they are going off to Manila to further study as well. And they've been studying here as well um, to serve. And these are the workers as well. Um, and, and while they are here, Kohei has been volunteering. He's not wearing that, that headphone, but he has, he has been volunteering and serving in our community. Um, being part of our community as one of the um, camera crew. Um, and it just moves me so much that people pour out um, their gifts in different ways. And we have been deeply blessed. So, um, Pauline, would you um, pray for, for them? And will you all join us to pray for all of them? So will you join me in prayer as we pray for these very precious siblings as they go out into the world and as God, that God will nourish them and use them in amazing ways. Let's pray. God of love, God of grace, God who calls each and every one of us towards yourself, the God who sees us, the God who hears us, we want to pray especially for Yemei as she goes and takes on this new adventure in her life. God, we see how your hand is at work in her life, how you're working in and through her, and how you're leading her in a way forward. And so God, I pray that you continue to walk with her, that you'll surround her with love, you surround her with friends, with companions on this journey, that even as she continues to learn from you, 
to learn of you and allows your spirit to transform and to move, that God, you'll prepare her for the way ahead and for the work and the harvest that you're preparing her for. And God, we are excited for her and we pray that you'll help us to discern also how we can walk alongside her. We pray as well um, for your love and your presence to go with Kohei and Aidi. We thank you for this short time that they can be with us and even as they've been getting trained in ministry and now furthering their training in, uh, by going to the Asian Theological Seminary in Manila. God, we are so excited for them too. And God, we recognize that you are doing something. You're doing something in raising up your people, people who not only love you, but people who want to lay down their lives for your calling and for what you are putting into their lives to do. And so we want to commit them specially into your hands, into your care, asking that you provide richly for all of them, that you will walk with them, that you will hold them close, especially as they might be far away from family and friends, that you surround them with the support and the love um, that only you can um, provide. And so, God, we want to lift them to you, thanking you for their presence in our lives, praying that even as they go, that our presence, our love, and our support can go with them. As we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> May I invite you to stand in body or in spirit and receive the benediction. You are all invited to the feast. You are all invited to the celebration. You are all invited to take part in the transformation of the world. You are invited by El Roy, the one who sees you. The one who sees you as who you are. The one who knows you far better than you think. The one who loves you. So trust in the one who sees and hears you. The one who knows what you can be capable of. So that you go out to proclaim for all people that all are invited to this feast of love, this celebration of life, and this recognition that we are all beloved. So we'll go forth trusting that one who knows you through and through, the one who loves you through and through, so that we all celebrate together as one people. Go in love always and know you are loved. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. Have a blessed week ahead.